sighs and looks around the town council chamber, where every chair is empty save hers. The town elder looks down at the parchment in front of her and sighs, tapping her quill on the table rather than finishing the note. She leans over the page and reads it again. Your eminence, Kevath Kul, black sovereign of all Numeria, it is with deepest regret that I must inform you that the town of Torch will be unable to make our eridus tax payment. I have no excuses for this failure to do our duty, but I pledge that our town will do everything in its power to meet our obligation as quickly as we possibly can. Until that time, we throw ourselves on the mercy of your infinite wisdom. We trust that any consequences you choose to enact will be fitting, though we beg for any lenience you are willing to afford. Your faithful servant, Dolga Fredit, Torch Town Council. The old woman sighs again and lays down her quill on the table. Perhaps it can wait until tomorrow. This is Pot Against the Machine. Pot Against the Machine. to pot against the machine quite possibly the most awkward podcast in the history of actual play podcasts i'm your host and gm sam and we'll send it over to jero for introductions i'm jero and i am playing the now level two vargas proud to be one of the only two people on the podcast playing a character who has two levels in the same class and I'll send us over to the other one. That's me. I did not anticipate saying my own name. I've become accustomed to being introduced, but that's fine. At level two, you learn to to make your own way. I don't think I've said yet that I'm Izzy and I'm playing Kira. Also level two, Blood Rager. I should just write a script for these things because otherwise we'll keep talking. Zach, please, please go. Uh, I am not part of the two levels in one class club. I'm part of the multi-class mafia over there with my buddy, Jeff. Uh, I I am playing uh, Brixby Renttail, one level in Rogue, one level in Wizard, both feet in the grave. Over to my much more durable multi-class companion, Hello, I'm Jeff playing Asher Helich. He is a paladin gunslinger, one in each multi-class mafia merch coming once we hit that Patreon tier. Yeah, I don't know about durable. I think you have more con than I do. I have more hit points. but That is true. I mean, Brixby, Brixby definitely needs to be able to take the the attendant beating that he receives pretty much every combat. So, well, I'm looking forward to this. Level two, things look bright. Sadly, I didn't prepare anything beyond the end of level one because I didn't think you guys would make it. Oh, <laughs> kidding, kidding. Uh, well, when we last left our heroes, they had negotiated with Sandville Tret 
uh, to sell him the remains of a robot. And it went reasonably well, and he left town with said robot, and our party was 500 gold richer. Um, and they had a free place to stay, and or at least Brixby did. And everyone spent the night and um, had a wonderful night's sleep in their various abodes. And um, nothing weird happened overnight, except everyone got getting up to level two, as we've mentioned before. And now it is bright and early in the morning, and the sun is just peeking over the horizon. So, um, how's Vargas starting his day? Well, he went in the uh, night before, tried to go in silently to not wake up the priest, but luckily he was uh, still up reenacting the music video of Mary Jane's Last Dance with uh, Grotta. <laughs> but he lay down to rest, and in the morning he jolts upright, sweating and panting, and he grabs his head with both arms, and he says, Just let it stop. The damn light is out. There's nothing I can do here. Show me something else, or just let it stop. And he just, he shakes his head, he gets up, he rummages through his kind of beat-up travel pack, and he pulls out a very old, very worn-looking book with uh, wood binding, wooden covers, old ratty parchment pages, and he settles down cross-legged, puts it in front of him, and starts looking through. It's written in an odd language, uh, some sort of Gurundian language, maybe a Syriani. And there's multiple handwritings that look as though they were written decades, maybe centuries apart, the oldest ones starting to fade away. And he looks through a few pages, and he stops at one, stares at it, really seems to be concentrating. This one has one of the newer-looking bits of handwriting in it, much sloppier hand than some of the other ones. And he closes his eyes, kind of mumbles under his breath, and his metal arm suddenly bursts a light. And he looks at it, and he nods and it goes out and he uh, shuffles through a few more pages and suddenly he just stops on one and he's staring at it and he hears a voice in his memory that goes it does not matter the words on the page the language they're in what matters is in here and he almost feels like a phantom tap on his forehead and he reaches back into his pack, pulls out a little bit of charcoal, and starts scribbling in the same hand that we had seen earlier in the book on that page. And he scribbles at it and scribbles at it, stops, and drops the charcoal on the ground. And as he drops it, you see just the tiniest little bit of a spark come off of the piece of charcoal. And he 
looks like he's still fairly exhausted. Can tell he didn't get great sleep, but he seems to be mostly done with his morning ritual. He knows that something strange has happened, possibly in the night, possibly while he was looking through his book, but he feels like he's stronger now. He can read a bit more of what he has. He thinks he can do a bit more. So he starts preparing for the day. And uh, while he's preparing for the day, why don't you bounce me a d20? Uh, no modifier, just tell me what you get on there. Yep. Ten. Ten? All right, you're fine. You're fine. Um, And uh, we'll go over to Izzy. Uh, how is Kara starting yeah. today? Um, Kira is already up, um, sitting against a wall of one of her uh, select warehouses. Um, she has Lucy, the hammer, in her lap, and she's braiding and unbraiding and rebraiding just some ribbons on the end of it, looking at at nothing. Uh, but thinking of Parda and of her mother and to some degree of her new friends, um, and it's like she's trying to to make a decision. Um, she'd left yesterday with this idea that she just needed to find work, which she did. Uh, she theoretically has some new gold pieces, um, but is also kind of feeling like the work she found isn't over. And more than that, this warehouse where she's been sleeping is not home. Um, she, she still looks pretty exhausted. She probably didn't sleep great just trying to figure out like what what she's going to do, where she's going to go. She gets to the end of the braid at the end of this like uh, blood spattered hammer, um, is quiet for a second, takes a deep breath uh, and kind of nods to herself, stands up, puts the uh, hammer back behind her back um, and then stoops down and puts a hand out for uh, Kingsley, um, who like crawls up onto her hand, up her shoulder and under her hair. And she turns to leave the warehouse um, and as she does, the imaginary fantasy camera catches like the faintest glint of a uh, pink glow from her formerly black scorpion that she doesn't appear to notice. Scene. And right at the end of that scene, uh, can you roll me a fortitude save? Yes, I can. Um, That is a fortitude. All right, so the um, the headache that Kira has is about the same as yesterday. It hasn't really gotten any worse. Um, so, you know, it's still ever-present and bothering her, but it's not um, disabling in any way. Great. Um, <laughs> um, let's go to Jeff. Uh, how is Asher starting his day? Asher starts his day by sitting up in bed and going over to the table to see if that button was there or just a weird dream. Uh, being as that he finds it. Uh, the button is still there. Being as he finds it still there, he he just kind of shakes his head and smiles to himself and he kind of meditates for a few minutes. Not really sure what's going through his head, but his eyes are closed and he kind of mutters some words and a language. It almost looks like it's awkward to a would-be observer, like this is something he's not exactly practiced in, but he nevertheless does so and sort of cleans out his gun with his gunsmithing kit and checks it, 
for any damage from the water yesterday and it seems to be fine to him so he gathers his things and puts on his hat and gets ready to meet up with the gang uh, why don't you roll me a d20 okay not nervous gonna roll the uh, orange creamsicle from ice cream dice 16 Fine. you're fine as well nothing bothering you Outstanding. You know, last episode I could not roll above a 9, so I feel a little bit better starting this one off with a 16. <laughs> Alright, and over to Zach. How is Brixby starting his day? Brixby wakes up um, face down on Sandvoltret's desk. Probably how Sandvoltret often wakes up in the very same cabin. Um, uh this point though Brix is still heavily disoriented from his dream the night before very similar to Asher he has this moment of stretching his paws out over the paper in front of him to to realize that it's still there in his mind it, it had exploded into these colorful symbols and, and glyphs and runes that are arrange themselves in, in ways of meaning that is still very difficult for him to explain. He turns his head back down to the parchment he has in front of him and closes his eyes, which seems almost counterintuitive for reading, reaches out and then opens them up again. And as his lips complete the last incantation, this spark just bursts from behind his eyes um and on that first casting of his first arcane spell of read magic the remainder of the text on the few pages that he had assembled together from this book begin to unfurl themselves from the gordian knot of unintelligible arcane sigils and symbols and, and rituals He's excited, but he just tries to drink in as much as he possibly can this morning, uh, quickly preparing a, a few other rituals in a very similar way. He rolls up his parchment, sticking it back inside of his container, putting it back in his pack. Uh, he pulls his necklace back on over his head, grips it, and says something that even I, as his player, doesn't hear. And that's also seen. And why don't you roll me a d20 as well? <laughs> oh, no. uh, Zach, we just said. I deserve that for being that he says something that I, his player, don't even know. That was so unnecessarily <laughs> pretentious. I rolled a one. That's that's what I got. Oh, man, he dies. Jero specifically said, don't do that. Uh, so, Brixby, uh, in addition to having new magical powers, has a little <laughs> bit of a headache today. Uh, why don't you roll me a fortitude save? Alrighty. Would you believe it? I literally just rolled another one. Oh. Mm. So, so, that's a three all, all day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh Brixby's headache is it's pretty rough um to the point where today he feels like he's gonna get a minus one on all intelligence wisdom and charisma based checks 
Skill checks. Yikes. The fumes what? from Sandville's dwelling must have been just, <laughs> just awful. Yeah, yeah, I fell asleep face down in a big pile of airplane glue. <laughs> we all know what kind of guy Sandville is, let's be honest. Yeah, it was a big pile of weird red thorns and stuff that's been ground up. All good stuff, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that, honestly, Brixby would probably associate the two. He would assume uh, awful sleep, uh, whatever the fuck he's just figured out that he's still sort of determining the the scope of his own power. Um, I don't know if he'd be able to differentiate the two. I assume he would think that there weren't many coincidences right now. Uh, but with that, that puts him in a much worse mood. So, Good. <laughs> well, to perhaps lift your mood, um, you, I will award you a Sky Medal for your um, storytelling at the end of the last episode. Oh, thank um, you. My rolling could definitely use it. Well, I had to make sure to award it to you after the, <laughs> the save. That's the important thing. Well, I, I really need to roll those two natural ones in a row so everyone can see who the luckiest guy on this podcast is. I am just obliterating this D20 after this. All right, so um, where's everybody meeting up? I assume you planned something out ahead of time. I'm sure the recording says as much. Yeah, we definitely discussed it while we were also talking about uh, which warehouse Kira would send everyone to. Which is funny because that happened before all of the other conversations they had that night, but it was a it was a rough night. I thought it was implied that we were gonna meet back up at the church, you know, we're gonna get that water breathing, etc. Maybe not. I'm trying to cover for us because we totally didn't. The market, remember we talked about getting healing? I think that's wise. Mm-hmm. That's that's obviously what we meant by saying <laughs> get more healing is so we'll meet up at the market. Purchase it at the market. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that Kira knows at least where Brixby is. So she would start heading there. And if the market is on the way, great. So we all go to different <laughs> locations. Brixby is waiting at a warehouse that Kira's not in. So then Kira goes to the cottage where Brixby isn't. Asher's standing outside the Temple of Bry. And who knows what Fargus is doing. Uh yeah, I mean, I think you can generally assume that you've all um, you all plan to meet up somewhere where you can go shopping, which is around the market square, sort of on the south southwestern side of town. And thus, the very capable four continue to live <laughs> up to their name. It's going to look so good on t-shirts. So I think um, if we're all meeting in the market, uh, it is very apparent to everybody who's probably feeling great because they're all level two that bricks isn't looking so hot he's uh he's got that like hangover vibe all around two small coffees in his hands sunglasses on you know i mean i'm still below half health so asher's not looking like he's not back flipping his way into the market maybe a round off but not even a full cartwheel. I guess oh, uh, I was going to say cartwheel. So yeah, I guess Kira will give a skip, a coordinated skip. She gets up there, but it's it's a skip. 
Now, you all didn't want to buy anything with your newfound wealth, of course. You just wanted to meet up here. All we're going to buy is rope and just <laughs> yeah. be fine otherwise. Yeah, we're putting everything in the rope market. <laughs> yeah, I've just invested all of my money in rope. Yeah, it's the, the <laughs> rope standard is really what keeps Torch strong. Um, yeah, we need healing desperately, Coach. That is that is what we are here for. Um, yep. Um, good to see all of you. Uh, is everyone ready to go back under the mountain today? Are you ready to go back under the mountain? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they call him Sandville Tret, but they should honestly call him Sandville Stench. <laughs> it's incredible. I think whatever he had inside there just, you know, it's got my bonsai yampy. It's my head. It hurts. <laughs> Uh, Kira will first look confused, but at that explanation, we like, wait, really? What? Oh, yeah, okay. That's, um, a bummer. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, seems like it's the, uh, style of torch anyway, from what I heard, right? Doesn't your mom have a headache? Is that what you said? Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I get the sense that maybe she's not the only person. Do you think it's like a, like a torch thing? You're not even from here, but I don't know. I guess if you're here long enough, it'll kick in. Is it like, is this common headaches? Not usually, no. I think it's new. Well, yes, I've been here for over a week, and perhaps I've just been lucky to have avoided it so far. I got in the day after the torch went out, and I often wake up with a fairly decent headache, though. It's more an issue of a certain type of insomnia that I have. I haven't felt anything like what it seems some of the people in this town have. Uh, there's, there's no reason to, uh, you know, no sympathy for the wicked, right? I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, let's get ourselves uh, some healing or the sundries and... Uh, then he'll go over to the good father. All right, we can handle the uh, specific logistics of, of what you actually purchase um, off air, just as long as you all know what you've got. Unlikely occasion that you go anywhere dangerous. Sure. Picking up anything other than healing and rope. I don't think we can afford much else at this point. I mean, maybe if we sold all of our loot on top of the 500, we could afford a little something, but at this point... I think it's probably all healing, all rope, all the time. All right. Yeah, I feel like healing potions are going to be the most important thing to be spending money on for quite a while. <laughs> all right. Um, so you're headed back to the Temple of Bry, where Joram Kite is getting things set up for the day, um, working with his various little bits and bobs and opening up the shades over the stained glass windows because fantasy worlds they have shades over the stained glass windows um mm -hmm. and uh he uh, looks up when you all come in and um smiles and he says ah it's good to see you again it's uh, not many have come back out once they've gone under the hill assuming you did of course go under the hill we did indeed well then it is good that you've come back otherwise it I suppose it wouldn't be particularly impressive. Uh, so, uh, 
I assume you're here for a uh, water breathing once more. Will you be going back under? Water breathing plus, if you can. Sorry, I said plus, but didn't say plus what. Um, we were pretty good at fighting stuff in the cave, but like not great. So maybe you can help us out, but just like a, a dash of healing, like a like a heavy dollop for four of us. Thank you. Oh yes, yes, yes. Of course, uh, I will uh, uh, gather round, and he will channel positive energy. Or, um, ooh, nice. Ten points. Yeah. Is it, oh, nice. Does that get everybody up? That puts me to one under max. Do we need another one? I'm only down one. Yeah, I'm also only down one. I am okay. That, do we want another one, or are you staying on there? That's yeah, like two anybody... donations. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, keep donating. <laughs> uh, I'm full. You two are both at one down. Yeah, I mean, we've we've gone into battle with far, far less HP. <laughs> yeah. Not that we're going to find any more battle, because we did it. Like, mission accomplished banner and all. <laughs> we did do um, it. But, but, yeah, I feel pretty good about 18, he says famously. I mean, father, if you uh, didn't have any more plans for your remaining channels oh, I think uh, this very capable four could uh, benefit from a topping off um, yeah, he'll roll his eyes <laughs> channel one more uh, that's six more HP right five temporary hit points shortly thereafter someone bursts through no, the door I... and is like father oh my god Please, I hope you can channel positive energy today. I'm deeply injured. <laughs> oh, just gave it away. Oh, it bummer, that. but he could do water breathing. <laughs> yeah, do you want water breathing? <laughs> Unless it's for more than four people, in which case, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You got to get here early. First come, first serve with the healing. <laughs> so he'll take your, of course, totally valueless little uh, clockwork stopwatch and set it for six hours. <laughs> and uh, hand it back to you, and um, you are all ready to go. Thank you, Father. Bye. Goodbye, and good luck. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, you suck, as the as the kids say these days. <laughs> Do they say uh, this? I've heard someone say it. Certainly. <laughs> Perhaps it was a dream. Okay, just really quickly before we head out, guys. I think most times if someone says that, it's not a good thing. But I don't know. I've 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 been traveling with you for the last two days, so maybe the trends have changed. We should go to that lake, pond, pool. Well, with their gears and technology, nobody would know the new trends like the Temple of Bry and its TikTok. <laughs> Father channels negative energy, killing all of us. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we heading back over. <laughs> Awkwardest podcast in the world. Yeah. This is time for us to go to another swim. Mm. 
I'm going to guess I'm not alone without spoiling too much that I did not put a point in swim. Forget that. I'm walking on the bottom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, I will say Vargas did uh, prepare light today, which might have hey. helped him yesterday if he had thought of it. So uh, basically assume the entire time we're down there, however long it lasts, he just casts it again while he's walking along the bottom of the ocean. Okay, because that bug leg is still glowing today. But you can throw it away if you want. Yeah, I imagine he probably threw it away as soon as they left the uh, cave the first time. All right, so light emits light for 30 feet, right? Yes. Uh, oh, no, 20-foot radius with dim another 20. I'm trying to cheat by taking my incorrect rule memory. All right, you are back in the cave. I will not make you roll interminable swim checks because that would be interminable. Uh, things are... Oh, we already... Uh, it's already canon that we just walk across the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> love us slogging along the bottom of this horrific, disgusting lake. Yeah, and you are all right back to smelling wonderful and feeling greasy and gross. It's a classic, very capable four situation. Ah, that reminds me, I wish I'd thought to ask Sandville why they call him Mole Greasy. Perhaps when he returns. I might, after spending an evening in his quarters, I could give you about three or four educated guesses as to where that moniker originated from. He scowls and rubs his head. Oh, excellent. I'd love to hear them. Uh, so you find yourselves back in the half-submerged uh, beach room. You have the uh, little ledge that leads up to the um, stalactite uh, choked hallway where you found Parda's body, and you have the um, flooded pathway leading up to the north that you didn't actually uh, go into when last you were here. We already have space in mind worst comes to worst, we can come back in a hundred episodes. <laughs> Perhaps we should just return to Lady Seth and deliver our rope, show ourselves to be trustworthy, and then delve back into uh, technological exploration. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to imagine anything that's around this corner here is nearly as interesting as what we left behind. I I want back in there, bad metal man. It'll be a good idea to appease the skulks as well. We don't want them angry and at our back when we're going into whatever is in there. Alright, well, you head on up through the uh, room with the stalactites and... I was trying to grab everybody at once and it didn't work out. <laughs> to the room where you <laughs> fought everyone's favorite um, creature, the uh, pink toad monster. Oh, oh yep. there it is. <laughs> it's just right, right at it. I, I should have known. I knew it was coming and it still got me. Yeah. It's the intense zoom in. Like for what? For, for what reason? Why? It's just, you yeah. know, you might have forgotten a little bit. Immersion. 
And here you've got a path back to the south and a flooded path over to the north. Wait to get us to go down the flooded paths. Yeah, going down to the uh, through the path passageway to the south, you come to a four-way intersection again, and you've got your path to the southeast, southwest, and then the rubble pile in the northwest. Looks like you're going back the to the skulk camp via the southeast. All yeah, the I guess we'll just drop in. Skulks are gathered basically exactly where they were before because they don't like moving very much. It makes them less invisible. But uh, Seth will come down from her perch when she hears you all coming. Down into the hallway. Say hello! Hello once again. Hi! We have rope. Excellent. 250 feet? I believe so, as that was the agreed upon amount. Yes. However, if we brought additional rope, we could potentially be open to a trade sometime in the future. Well, probably don't need any more rope than this. Building a very complicated machine, but this is the amount of rope that we estimate that we will need. Yeah, which is fair. But uh, many, many an adventure has been caught without rope. You know, <laughs> even some in this very room, perhaps. So I just think that it's something to consider. You don't have to make any decisions right now. Take it under advisement. Yes, thank you. Okay, bye. Nope. <laughs> you hand over the giant pile of rope to the emaciated figure and it absolutely dwarfs her. But yep. <laughs> Has anything happened since we've gone through those doors? Any noises, sounds, anything odd? Uh, just, just the uh, normal uh, noises and sounds coming from the other side. Nothing of particular interest. We don't go in there, you understand. We are not interested in being killed horribly. Fair. Has anybody else come in or out? No, of course not. Alright, well, um, riveting conversationalists you are, we really must pull ourselves away and get to the aforementioned death vault. So, um, well, you suck. Yes, you all suck. Have fun being killed. Yes, thank you. You still suck. You still suck, Mr. Tret. You all suck more than anyone I have ever met. Goodbye. We appreciate that very much. You <laughs> suck quite badly as well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, despite his normal, cordial, and incredibly polite nature, especially with somebody as esteemed and culturally accomplished as the Skulks down here, Brix is just motoring towards that door, much like the other member of the multi-class mafia. Prop, prop. I can just see the, the bound and likely both of their steps the closer that they get to uh, that smooth metal door. We'll head over to the next map, which does take a minute. That's so big. Did we ever roll any kind of knowledge on that horrible tentacle rock? You did not. Nope. What would that be? Like nature? I believe it's dungeoneering. Oh, okay. That's much better. I have a much higher thing than that than I do to nature. Okay, that's going to be a 27 knowledge dungeoneering. First roll of the episode, nat 20. Uh, 27 will give you that this creature is a galarn. 
A purple tentacled creature uh, with a white coral-like shell appears to be something alien in nature. It's a non-aquatic arthropod that lives within its exoskeleton that it manufactures from its own hardened secretions. The carapace itself contains many perforations similar to dried coral or air-blasted stone, providing ample room from which the Galarn can extend its outer extremities and explore the world. Chief among these extremities are two main tentacles that it uses to pull itself through the upper layers of sand within its native home, burrowing just below the surface while its hardened carapace remains above the ground. As a result, Galarns give the impression of being stone formations that are ambulatory when traveling, but they can also abandon their shells entirely and disappear deep into the sand to avoid predators. Uh, you can ask two questions about the noble Galarn. So, it definitely had some kind of damage reduction going on. What was that about? Um, it has a carapace that provides it with hardness. Okay. And I guess the other obvious one would be what its weaknesses are. Is there anything that it's particularly vulnerable to? It is vulnerable to or to sonic damage, sorry. Sonic, okay. Uh, so Vargas, uh, he takes a look at this thing. He walks once around and he goes, I've never seen anything quite like this, but from what I can gather looking at it, looks like it's some kind of... Uh, it's almost like a sea creature, like a hermit crab almost, but on land with tentacles, so not really like a hermit crab at all, but same general idea. Looks like the reason we were doing so little damage to it is because of this rock shell thing it has. Uh, I think if anyone has any sort of attacks that deal sonic type damage, only I say that in a way that makes sense in character. That should do quite a bit more to it if we run into another one. I think, how the heck would... How do you explain sonic damage <laughs> in character? That's kind of an odd one. If anyone can shoot blue hedgehogs. <laughs> okay. I'm just trying to think, like, if I damage, it's like, oh, I think if you burn it, it'll hurt it. Like, I'm trying to think of what to say. If we make loud noises at it... <laughs> might deal more damage. I don't even know if he would know to describe what sonic damage is. <laughs> like, Well, uh, I don't have the ability to make loud noises, but there's no reason to be going in here unarmed. We don't know how many more rocks of sea creature rocks there are. And he reattaches his tail blade and, and draws out his rapier. Yes, if there's one of these, we should assume there's more until we know there aren't. I guess Vargas is going to step past this one and hopefully not directly north into another one. As you step out of this narrow cave, you find yourselves in a cold, vast cavern, which is strange and disconcerting because the ground looks like a desert valley under a starless night sky. The sand covers the ground and stretches out in all directions and this completely dark landscape for all intents and purposes it looks like you're outside even though you know you're under a mountain there are bits of strange spiky shells and contorted dead fronds that look like branches littering the ground and for those of you who can see in the dark 
50 feet straight up. It looks like a, a rounded domed metal ceiling that extends up and um, gets higher as it gets away from where you are. You look like you're under just about the lowest point. It disappears into the darkness above you. Everybody can give me uh, perception checks. Uh, Bricks has a 13. Unless it's a mechanical or a high-tech trap. And then it's 14, and we're all screwed. <laughs> and a 14. Vargas went from a natural 20 from his last roll to a natural 1 on this one for a total of a 2 <laughs> perception. Uh... 16 plus 7, 23 for Kira. Alright, um, Kira's perception check is enough to notice that there is a trail running through the sand. Uh, looks like it heads off to the west. Too far away to really see much of anything, but it looks like maybe there are uh, cliffs off in that direction. Similar but perhaps less steep than the cliffs behind you that form a sheer, solid surface that climbs nearly up to the dome ceiling from back the way you came. Uh, can we tell what the path, like, was the path made from just people walking over there repeatedly, or does it look like a path path? Uh, looks like probably path made from people walking over it repeatedly. Well, I think we've won the game, because we found the path because we're pathfinders. <laughs> so if Kira points out that path, uh, Asher will look at it with a survival check, see if we can determine, you know, hey, this is skulk footprints, something different. Let's find out. Here's the nat 20 uh, for a 24 survival. Uh, it doesn't look like the skulks who are generally barefoot have come through this way, at least not recently. Uh, you see footprints from booted feet of varying sizes, from small creatures like Brixby size to more sizable but probably still medium creatures. And uh, it looks like there are odd sort of more skeletal footprints there as well. It's all kind of a mix. The sand does preserve and there is no wind here. There's no way to tell how old they are. Mm. All manner of footprints, boots of various sizes, perhaps even the walking dead, as has been hinted from the skulks out there. Skeletal footprints. If only I had seen purple hairs, I might have thought perhaps we were heading after the very ones who told the skulks to murder everybody. I'd really like to have a word with them. I, uh, think you might get your wish. I can't imagine too many others tromping around in here. The woman with the, the one with purple hair, perhaps Connor. Um, all the more reason to follow these footprints, though, right? We have quite a bit of time left on our spell. Perhaps we investigate what we can reach here before heading in a particular direction. Uh, Brix is down to pretty much follow wherever Asher was looking to investigate. He's a little. Uh, Brix is a little uh, frazzled. Um, he's having a little bit of difficulty uh, keeping his thoughts straight. Well, Kira, Vargas, any objections to just looking around here before we follow this path? Well, we already killed one of those tentacle things, so this should be easy. <laughs> Probably a good idea to check our surroundings here first before moving on. He draws his pistol, set it on air, <laughs> it counts, and we'll uh, just sort of head towards the north. 
As you head up to the north, you see much of the same. There's rock wall along the side of the dome-like desert you're in extends up to the metal ceiling. Little bits and bones of creatures long dried out and dead uh, still litter the ground every so often. Do we get the feeling that this place like used to be underwater or something? Like, is this like a ocean bed? Uh, why don't you roll a knowledge nature? Oh, wait. I have even less than I thought I did. I don't have nature, I have geography, so I actually can't roll nature. Um, I'd say you could roll geography for this. 18. Um, with an 18, this doesn't look like the, the type of environment that was underwater at any point. It looks like a desert, just kind of a, a strange desert. Okay. As you head further north, um, you do see rocky outcroppings that are a little bit lower. Um, the types that looks like you could climb them if you wanted to. Uh, it might be difficult because uh, they're still pretty sheer, uh, but they they go up probably about 50 feet. There's definitely some space above them before you get to the ceiling. I'll just take a peek without climbing up, just since he has 60 feet of dark vision. We'll at least hopefully see if there's anything, you know, waiting on top of the cliffs to jump them and murder them. 18 perception. It doesn't seem like you see anything. I don't think I'm going to be making it up a 50-foot sheer wall very easily, so hopefully we can find uh, another option. My curiosity will be satisfied just exploring this ground level, unless something is apparently up there. As much as I am enjoying my time in the desert, I certainly don't want to waste all of our water breathing. And as you follow along the base of this cliff, and the cliff beyond it seems to curve, you sort of get the sense that the whole thing is taking a 90 degree turn. So you've sort of reached the edge of this desert environment. You're in kind of a what seems more and more like a large bowl with a metal ceiling. God, this room is huge. <laughs> this room is so big. I am zoomed out to... I think it's big enough that it's lagging out my roll 20. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely... Uh... We're going to die in this desert. We're just randomly going off in some direction, nowhere near the path. <laughs> no, Asher knows desert stuff. We'll be fine. Yeah, and survival. I, I believe in the power of the hat. <laughs> Surely there is XP and or treasure just waiting for us. Just be on the edge of the map. It's the Truman Show. Connor Bain's just watching us. Can't be. There's no moon up there. Think of the ratings. Uh-oh. Now up ahead, as you continue following the outer wall of this strange desert, there's something bizarre just standing there, like almost completely inert. <laughs> Looks like a human skeleton, except it has four arms. And it has a misshapen, huge, kind of oblong head. Let's see if we can't pop that up on the screen. Oh, it's a zombie one. Or a skeleton one. And as it, as you see it, it seems to see you as well. And it makes a weird, hollow kind of <laughs> sound and starts heading your way. I'm going to need everyone to roll for initiative. <laughs> Uh, based on that dancing, I'm going to have uh, Zach go first. Yeah, I'm doing that vibing cat dance um, for all of our listeners at home who can't see me, that rocking head nod. 
because I just rolled a solid 18, which brings me to 21 on the initiative tracker, Sam. Very nice. And uh, Jeff, you look less happy. Yeah, I think I, I juiced all the luck out of that Neapolitan D20 with a five on the die for a nine. Uh, 12 on the die for a 17. This map is so large that I cannot add turns to the initiative counter. Iron Gods itself has defeated roll 20. Alright, Asher and Brixby, it is up to you. Multi-class mafia. What was Kira's um, initiative? (laughs) 17. (laughs) And Vargas. Uh, Vargas would like to roll again if that's possible. (laughs) Uh, I got a whopping four with my natural two. Switch to a different die for the rest of these rolls. The good news is that Brixby is going first. Brixby will take a move action to the northwest, a five foot step to the northwest, uh, placing him just south of Kira and just west of Vargas, and he will ready an action to attack if it comes within melee range with his rapier. Alright, and the bad news is that the skeleton is next, so it is going to, let's just make sure it's got a normal movement speed. Something's weird about this thing. Yeah, there we go. Yep, and it's gonna charge straight forward um, and swing a claw at Kira directly in front of it. So, my ready to action goes off? Your ready to action goes off as it arrives. Alrighty, uh, Bricks is gonna take a big swing with the rapier. 15 on the die. That brings us to a 19 to hit. Uh, 19 will hit. I am only doing 1d4 minus 1 damage because I'm actually not in a flank with anybody. Uh, We're making a weird little kitty corner instead. I do one point of damage. (laughs) Alright, it doesn't seem to harm the creature at all. Solid. This bizarre skeleton swings a claw at um, Kira for a 10. Uh, Does that hit flat-footed? It does not. Sorry, skeleton. Kira is up and not yet harmed by the wonderful skeleton. Excellent. I would like to take a five-foot step northeast, just um, so that I am theoretically flanking uh, with Vargas, um, and then I'm just gonna just gonna smack it with a greatsword. <laughs> Yay! That's a 19, which is a critical threat with a greatsword. All right, roll to confirm. That's an 18. Uh, plus, what is that? Six? Plus six. Uh, that confirms. Ooh. Excellent. Grip me, baby, one more time. I was not prepared for this. Emotionally, the dice. I'll just grab a couple more d6s. It's any second. I don't, I don't, don't let the tension die, because suspense. What's that? Six, 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 18, plus six, 24 points of damage. The skeleton, bizarre though it may be, crumples to the ground and lays there in an inert pile of bones. Certainly far too damaged for us to do any sort of knowledge check on. It's a pile of bones. <laughs> Just a pile of bones. Well, you made quite short work of that horror, Kira. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know. I don't love deserts. Let's go out of here. It'll be fun. 
Could uh, Asher roll local and religion to identify this thing, or either or? Uh, I would be religion. Okay. Uh, Asher will roll knowledge religion, a skill he now has a rank in. Okay. Don't get, like, super pumped. So it's a 17 total, 12 on the die, but I do have that conditional plus 2 to identify alien creatures. So if it, if this applies and it's not a terrestrial four-armed creature, then that would be a 19. This is obviously a skeleton, um, but a skeleton of, as you may suspect, a creature that is unknown to um, people who live on Galarian. It appears to be some sort of alien creature. You said it was a 17 total? Uh, 17 total uh, with the plus 2 on top of that. So 19. If, if it's alien. Okay, so you can ask three questions about this skeleton. Okay. Uh, does that include knowing its name? <laughs> or is that not enough to get that info? Um, I will say... Yeah, you can know. Um, we've heard whispers of creatures with four arms that are not skeletons that are called Kasatha. Hey, we can say it. Oh, fine. I thought you were asking for its uh, its Christian name, Jeff. <laughs> yes. Uh, unfortunately, we have killed Steve. <laughs> Kevin Kasatha. Kevin the Kasatha, maybe? Let's go with the K name. So three questions. Oh, one of them was that it's Kasatha. Now you're down to two. Ugh, if you're going to be like that, that's cool. So you're right, you're the boss. It seemed like Brixby's uh, rapier was less effective. It normally is like super effective, but in this one instance, it didn't seem like it did any damage. Uh, what sort of defenses were at play there? Uh, that was damage reduction versus bludgeoning. Okay, awesome. That's one. Uh, other than, like, I'm undead, what about special attacks? Does it have any? Uh, special attacks? Nothing Nothing particularly special, but with four arms uh, that all end in bony fingers, you think it has four claw attacks. Ooh, I could get uh, nasty. Okay. I guess since we're counting the, the creature's name as one, that would be all three. Hmm, this... This was a Kasatha. And a creature not of our world. A what? A Kasatha? A note of Galarian, you mean? Like the stars? There were... drawings... of these things in the front of the cave. The same place where we saw the drawings of the three-armed robot. It's fascinating. Yes, not of Galarian. I don't imagine they were always skeletons. I certainly can't say for sure about this particular one. Uh, yeah, Bricks looks down in a little bit more wonderment. I mean, it would make sense, given where they are, but, uh, you know, it, it just kind of adds a wondrous element to the horrific pile of bones on the ground. Um, but you're right. Uh, they, this was listed in the front long with the repair drone. Those were the only two drawings we saw, though, right? The only ones that we didn't recognize at the time. There were skulks, obviously. They were probably the ones that drew it, but 
These were the only two that we weren't sure what they were. Yes, there are plants and other things that seemed sort of mundane in comparison. This was the other mystery. So what, what is an alien, animated alien corpse doing here in this strange desert dome? Machines? How well, I'm excited to figure this out. I, I really don't have much idea of what's going on. Yeah, I'm not quite sure we have enough pieces of this puzzle. Maybe they're survivors of... I mentioned before in our oral histories that we passed down the, the reign of stars... I've never heard anything about who exactly were in ships that fell out of the sky, and there was never anything about anyone alive, but maybe these ones survived, built some kind of home down here or something? Wouldn't explain why they're a skeleton, but... Well, whoever they are, they're making people sick. We should at least ask them to stop. You don't ask the undead, unless you're going to be asking the rest of them the same way you ask this one. I mean, however you get the message to stick. Um, well, we should be on our guard. There's no reason to believe that there wouldn't be more in here. Now the Skorks spoke of walking death, and now we've seen it for ourselves. Perhaps these feet were of the same sort down that path. There were many varieties. I expect there are more, yes. Perhaps we head back towards the path along this general southeasterly direction a little bit the surroundings but while in heading towards where we know people are headed sounds like a good idea to me perhaps not articulated particularly well but nevertheless we should continue oh look Kira's already on her way yeah you said down right down is good she chose down <laughs> always up for a good labyrinth reference who doesn't want a labyrinth reference <sighs> Pretty sure that listeners to our pod are also fans of Labyrinth. Oh, that's right. There's a there's a huge overlap there. It's fine. We're fine. Well, as you head back, generally the way you came, but perhaps a little bit more southerly, you see up ahead there are a couple more of these Kasatha skeletons over by a, another rise out in the middle of the desert. One of them, the one farthest to the east, its eyes glow green as it locks them on you. And we're going to need to roll for initiative once more. Oh, that's better. Vargas got an 18 this time. Quite a bit better than the 2. Or no, it was 4. It was a 2 on the die last time. Alright. And what does Brixby have? Uh, 16, Sam. Asher? That's a natural one. Uh, for a total of a five. Nice, nice, nice. And Kira? Eight plus five for 13. Sadly, these creatures, um, speedy as they are, rolled a natural 20 on their initiative. Let's see here. They are just far enough away that I don't think they can actually charge. So they're all just going to move in to say hello. To be fair, we don't understand their culture. This is probably a normal greeting. Yes, the um, three skeletons charge in to say hello, and one of them has glowing green eyes. And Vargas is up next, facing certain death, of course. Vargas is... You know what? They're undead. Uh, so I imagine bludgeoning damage is probably pretty 
good against them. So Vargas is gonna step up to the one furthest to the west here. And he's gonna try to punch it. Bonus is sports that is a 15. You'd think I'd still be on the page. Um, a 15 does not hit. Actually, they... 15 does not hit. Yeah, it doesn't hit. Alright, that is uh, his turn then, because he had to move, so he can't do his uh, fancy full attack. Alright, um, we are to Brixby. Uh, Brixby, seeing that he has had uh, very little luck with his rapier and tailblade, um, and reflecting on his previous ineffectuality with those weapons, is going to draw on his new experience um, and, and take a page. Uh, well, I guess not literally out of Vargas's book, but it was out of someone else's book. But he's going to close his eyes, grab his necklace, extend his clawed hand, and that similar chartreuse, sickly yellow-green will emerge from his hand as he shoots a glob of acid, acid splash, at the um, eastmost facing of the skeletons, the one that is slightly northeast of the one that Vargas attacked. So it is not in melee, thank goodness. So I will just be rolling this punch attack here. Seven on the die. Uh, that's an 11 range touch attack. Uh, 11 does not hit its touch AC. Ah, makes a lot of sense. Uh, Briggs curses under his breath. This headache just can't focus. Okay, I go straight down um, and then, or so straight like south and then diagonal up. Can I flank with Vargas at this little guy just in front of him without provoking an attack of opportunity? By which I mean I have enough movement? Yeah, it looks like you do, yeah. Great, great. And I'm going to charge my mouse so that I can actually draw the path out on roll 20 so that you, like our listeners, will be less confused, hopefully. In the meantime, I will move Kira there. Yeah, that should work. Yeah, it's 30 feet. Excellent, 30 feet. I'm gonna drop her right behind um, the old guy in combat with Vargas. Um, and it feels like we should probably just attack that guy. Um, 14 plus six plus two, 22 to hit. Uh, 22 does indeed hit the skeleton with the glowing eyes. Excellent, glowing eyes. Oh, oh, well, okay. Um, let's say 7 plus 6, 13 points of damage. 13, a d- glowing eye skeleton. It doesn't seem like it all goes through, but it's still enough to send that skeleton collapsing into a pile of bones. That's my turn. All right. Asher is up. Indeed, Asher will level his gun at the skeleton directly south of him well within his 25 feet of touch AC range and fire off a shot. Uh Uh-oh. 14 against touch? 14 hits touch exactly. That was uh, was not great. 7 off the die. And that's going to be a d8 plus 1. 4 points of bludgeoning and piercing damage. Alright, with the bludgeoning special. You will manage to overcome its DR, put one in its non-existent brain, and that Kasatha skeleton collapses to the ground as well. So we've got one skeleton left, and um, though the one with the glowing eyes is now a pile of inert bones, this one's eyes start glowing now, and it's staring at Kara with an odd kind of intelligence to it, even though it 
it's a dead skull face. And it's going to lash out at her with four claws. Uh, the first one is a nine. I'm guessing that is a no. Uh, then we've got a 13. Nope. All right. And eight. Nope. And last one. Oh, we got a 19. That'll do it. Okay. At least, That'll do it. At least it does something. Two damage. Ouch. And junk punches up. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to do basically the same thing Kira did on her turn, but from the opposite direction and swing really wide to the east around this guy using all of my movement so that I can be flanking him without having to step through any threatened squares. And I am then going to attempt to punch him really hard with a metal arm. And that should be better that time because with the flanking that would be 19. Uh, 19 hits. Right. Remember what my damage is. 1d6 plus 2. Now because I'm level 2. So that is 6 points of damage. Bludgeoning. And bludgeoning once again does the trick. This last skeleton crumples to the ground. You have three piles of bones uh, sitting at your feet. Um, when the green light kind of transferred over to a skeleton and then um, when that one collapsed, did it just wink out in its eyes? Was there anything else that we could see happen? It seemed to just disappear. Just this eerie green light that illuminates the eye sockets. It's gone from one and appears in the other. Yeah, we didn't physically see, like, something fly from one to the other. Like, it just immediately lit up in another one when one died. Right. Okay. Is that, like, a knowledge religion normal thing I could roll? Um, yeah, I'd say a knowledge religion. All right, little dragon code, d20. 15 total. I do have knowledge religion, so I didn't want to jump in on the last one, but I think Bricks holding his head and taking his negative one on this intelligence-based skill roll would also like to throw his, well, less cool hat than Asher's hat into the ring. That is an 18 on the die, though. So my diehard dice have been rolling really well for me this game, Um, making up for those two nat ones last week. Uh, I have... Sorry, I'm vamping because I can't read my level two character sheet. It's too complex. Uh, plus seven with the minus one. That is 26 in total. Wow. I was going to say, this is a pretty hard one to figure out based on what you've seen, but 27. This appears to be some kind of uh, divination type of supernatural ability where something else was using the eye sockets of the skeleton and it was watching. Friends, um, my knowledge of... Both the arcane and the undead are arguably not the strongest in this party, but it seems that those green eyes that we saw in those skeletons, uh, divination, were being scryed upon. Someone was watching. At this, Asher will reload and just kind of peer around and take a deep breath and say, Dark magic, undead, and scrying. If we weren't. On our guard before, it should certainly be now. And he's going to close his eyes and sort of grip this holy symbol that he has around his neck, which is now different than you may have seen before because it's a round wooden symbol, almost button-like. And he's going to just sort of see if he can 
detect anything evil within 60 feet of where he's at. He doesn't detect any evil. Hmm. Whoever is, or whatever is watching us, they're not in this immediate vicinity at least. Well, at least we know what to keep an eye out for. No serious pun intended. And I think with that, with our hero standing in the strange desert dome, I'm going to go to bed. Good night, Sam. If only you had made a joke about the bullet thundering through the dome. So close.